I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. not just hurting, we're angry. This week on KSL Plus. This shouldn't have happened. Heartache and hate at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, we have a problem here. Where a gunman opened fire. Took away my mother and my best friend. How dare you? Shooting 13 and killing. How dare you? 10 people. This needs to be fixed. I'm Matt Rascone and this week we dive into what we know about the motivation for the attack. Plus, a conversation with a state representative about the laws and resources in place to help prevent a similar situation in Utah. There's just too much hatred. Uh, And so I think what people need to do is stop and take a, a look at at what they're doing and how they're treating people and making sure that they can say, I want to treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. And so if you don't want people calling you names or you going to the grocery store and, and can't come out and go to your car and go back home and you feel safe, you know, we have a problem here. Janetta Williams is the president of the Salt Lake chapter of the NAACP. You know, it's like a life and a person's life doesn't matter at all when they can just say, I'm just going to go and kill a lot of black people. I'm just going to go and kill a lot of Asian people because we had that going on. And people were um, knocking uh, older women down and kicking them and uh, assaulting them. So we have all those different things. But I think it's a time when people need to really stop and, 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 and look at the way they treat people and look at what they think and maybe even what they're watching TV and some of the games that kids are doing. The Justice Department is investigating the Buffalo shooting as a hate crime. Investigators say the suspect wanted to kill black people and likely became radicalized through social media and online gaming platforms. In a 180-page document attributed to the suspect, he writes that he was influenced by a controversial social media platform. He also talks about what's called the Great Replacement Theory, a racist ideology that claims there's an effort to replace white Americans. They clearly feel, quote-unquote, that their America, whatever the hell that means, their America is being taken from them, whatever that phrase means. First of all, it's not their America. It's our America, by the way. It's low-level incitement with horrific consequences. Amos Giora is a law professor at the University of Utah. The topic of extremism, racism, and free speech, which is at the end of the day what we need to discuss. um, 
He's considered an expert in areas like extremism, terrorism, religion, criminal law, and national security. And I don't know, does that qualify me? Does, given my, my scholarship, I guess, maybe. Um, I've lectured widely on this. I teach this stuff. And you know, maybe the bottom line question, of which there are many bottom line questions here. One, was I surprised that a Buffalo happened? The answer, of course, is no. In the same way that was I surprised when Charlottesville happened? No. Was I surprised when Pittsburgh happened? No. And the litany goes on and on. Tragically. Here's his take on what the racially motivated attack tells us about America. Maybe you can can get into um, why it is that um, these don't come as a surprise uh, incidents like this. Because I think that white supremacists or white supremacy and racism and unhinged anti-Semitism have become legitimized by three distinct actors. And when I say, and not only legitimized, but I think more than legitimized, they have become enabled by three distinct actors. One are some of America's politicians. Two are members of your profession. And three is social media. And you take A and or B and or C, and it's frankly beyond combustible. And if anybody, when they heard about Buffalo, said, oh, my God, this can't be happening, they're not at all attuned with what's happening in America. They're living under a rock. Maybe it's pleasant to live under a rock. Um, in the same way that, frankly, when Pittsburgh happened at the, what is it, the, 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 the synagogue, I don't think any of us who are you know, members of the Jewish community we're not surprised at all. And when Charlottesville happened, I don't would like to think that nobody was, oh my God, this can't be. Because the, that, that combustible combination of unhinged incitement. And I think, I know this makes people uncomfortable. I'm aware of that because I see the pushback to my writings. But I'm a firm believer that we need to apply. I mean, people like you are, are, regulated by the FCC, the Federal, Communi- Federal Communications Commission. Um, and you have guidelines and criteria and you have, I mean, it is what it is. And I think we need to do that with social media. And, uh, and in addition to that, I think that we need to have, albeit difficult, which is fine, a difficult conversation with respect to the tolerating of, of speech by, by politicians. Um, and you take all three together and it, it, I think maybe the most disheartening thing about Buffalo, above and beyond the terrible tragedy, 10 people killed, is that nobody who follows the news in America should be surprised. And that's a terrible thing. The Associated Press reports that in his senior year of high school, the Buffalo shooting suspect was asked in an online learning program what he planned to do when he retired. His answer? Murder-suicide. He was taken into custody into a hospital for a psychiatric evaluation under a state mental health law, but released a day and a half later. An investigation found no specific credible threat against a school or individual. 
you know, I think that uh, from what we know, this juncture about this, uh, the shooter is that he was uh, um, clearly not thinking straight and had been uh, hospitalized previously. And so it's, it's difficult to assess what was going through his mind. Um, I, I think the best takeaway is, is that if we see somebody who is either in writing or online or verbally expressing, you know, such uh, hatred towards other groups or institutions, that that should be a warning sign that there may be uh, more going on inside that person's mind than just, uh, you know, bad feelings. There may be something, you know, medically wrong with them and that they need help and that uh, steering them towards that help and asking others for, you know, ways that that person can be helped is one of the best things that that we can do because ultimately we can't, uh, you know, control that person's thinking. But if it's um, some sort of a, a cognitive uh, error due to an underlying mental illness, uh, we can, you know, definitely help, uh, you know, direct resources towards those types of individuals. In this last half of KSL Plus, my conversation with Representative Steve Ellison about programs and resources available in Utah to prevent tragedies, and a recent law that created a way for people to voluntarily restrict themselves from buying a gun. Uh, the Utah legislature last year passed a bill that allows individuals that may be experiencing a mental health crisis to uh, put their name on the uh, uh, no purchase uh, list for firearms. Uh, we also have a safe harbor law in Utah that uh, allows an individual to uh, have law enforcement to uh, temporarily hold their firearms for them. So here in Utah, we do have resources where somebody can, um, you know, while they're in a a position to uh, maybe think a little bit more clearly about something uh, of this nature, uh, prohibit themselves from uh, having a a firearm in their possession where in some future state they may be um, uh, not thinking as clearly. So would that have um, had any impact on the situation in Buffalo? You know, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, U- Utah is one of the few states that uh, has this mechanism in place. And uh, theoretically, a mental health practitioner that's working with somebody being discharged from an inpatient setting uh, could uh, talk to the the individual and say, "Hey, there's this uh, these two different programs available, and that could help protect you and others potentially in the future." And uh, you know, let them know that that's an option available for them. It's similar to uh, maybe uh, a friend saying, "Hey, I know you're going to be uh, drinking tonight. If you let me hold your keys, then when you're to a point where you may not be thinking as uh, rationally." you won't be uh, put in a potentially uh, a dangerous situation. Is a person with mental health issues able to make those decisions? Um, I, well, yes, because mental health issues um, can, ju- just like, you know, maybe asthma can flare up at different times. And just like somebody who uh, may drink too much on a, you know, a, a Friday night, they can plan in advance that, you know, I probably shouldn't uh, be planning to drive myself home if they're, you know, planning to be a, an establishment serving alcohol and they can, you know, take those steps 
in advance to protect themselves and others. Um, there's a significant amount of Americans that are currently suffering from mental health issues and only a very, very small percentage of individuals that uh, have a mental illness uh, uh, may have violent tendencies. But when we know somebody that may be in that category, that's especially important to uh, talk with somebody else about how that person could uh, get the help that they need. This bill last year was not, I mean, it was not considered a red, a red flag law. Is that right? Th that's correct. Yeah, that's where somebody else can say we have concerns. And then without any sort of due process, they take the person's firearms away from them. And this was a, a voluntary situation where the individual could say, I know at times in my life when I'm not thinking rationally, it'd be best if I don't have access to a firearm. And this helps facilitate uh, restricting them during those periods. Yeah. Uh, without a red flag, without a red flag law in place, which I think, um, which I assume you, you are opposing, you don't want something like that in place. Um, what, what, what is the alternative for people who have those types of concerns? I think if an individual has uh, you know, a friend or family member that's experiencing either suicidal or homicidal uh, ideation, even both, that those issues need to be addressed and they need to feel an obligation to help get that person into treatment, get them evaluated. They can always call the, the Utah Crisis Line, 1-800-273-TALK, talk with a crisis worker day or night about what they've seen or heard and get recommendations on how they can uh, potentially get that person evaluated. We have mobile crisis outreach teams that could come to that uh, individual's location and do an assessment. We have a number of crisis receiving centers where a person could be evaluated. And so I think that um, other than just protecting that individual from themselves, these steps could help you know, protect society at large if people see something uh, and say something to, you know, a professional about what they can do. Is the law uh, accomplishing what it intended to do? Um, I've, I've been told that individuals have started to utilize uh, the, the option of putting their name on the no purchase list, as well as uh, the safe harbor law that allows their firearms to, to be held uh, temporarily by law enforcement. So we, we know that it's uh, working, but I think there's a lot of other people that may want to uh, participate in the program if they knew about it. Yeah, what we know about uh, most mass shootings is that the, the shooter often uh, gives some sort of a hint or tip to others that they may be... Uh, planning uh, such a horrific event and the safe ut app uh, that's been implemented in every uh, public school in utah including our system of higher education allows uh, students and parents to anonymously report uh, safety threats to uh, the school administrators and the individuals that to operate safe ut those tips are monitored 24 7 365 and if there is a a threat that's of a, a public safety nature that is addressed immediately. In the past 12 months, we've had almost 400 tips of that nature, uh, many of those involving uh, weapons. And we've had a number of situations where when somebody 
saw something or heard something, they decided to say something and utilize Safe UT to do that. And uh, about once uh, once a week, um, or uh, or more frequently, there are weapons confiscated and uh, planned school attacks that have been foiled uh, because of uh, the Safe UT app. Something we've been working on is to increase access to uh, mental health resources through crisis receiving centers, uh, through things like the Utah Crisis Line, the Utah Warm Line, mobile crisis outreach teams. So I think that uh, it's imperative that uh, everybody uh, is well versed on these public resources for individuals with mental health issues. And if they see a family member, loved one or friend that is uh, experiencing those issues of either potentially self-harm or uh, homicidal ideation that they uh, encourage that person to get treatment. And depending on the nature of the threat, uh, you know, report that through something like the Safe UT app or, or directly to uh, law enforcement. Is there, I mean, how much, how much more work in your mind is there to be done? I, I think that the public awareness has uh, a lot of room for improvement. And when somebody makes a threat, um, that is often a, a call for help for themselves because they are uh, experiencing often a, some sort of a, a serious mental health issue and to the extent that the people that are closest to them see those things hear those things that they take every step possible to get that individual help and we've if they need somebody to even you know talk to about this if they have a loved one or friend in this can, situation they can always call the the Utah crisis line at uh, 1-800-273-TALK and just share with the, the crisis worker what concerns they have, what they've seen or heard, and what additional steps they may take to be able to help protect that person or you know, potentially the public at large. So along the same lines, how do you and we as a Republican-led state walk the line, that balance between Second Amendment rights and gun restrictions for those who do need them? Well, uh, Utah has been very proactive in trying to educate the public that the, the vast majority of firearm deaths in our state uh, are suicides. And uh, for our young people, which suicide is the leading cause of death, uh, they most often are getting access to their parents' unsecured firearms. And so uh, making sure that if you uh, own a firearm, that you are responsible and how that firearm is stored and that it's a trigger lock, uh, cable style gun lock is used or a gun safe, storing the gun and ammunition separately. Those things can go a long ways towards protecting the life of our young people. And we've also seen mass shooting incidences where the, the, the shooter uh, obtained their weapons from their parents where those weapons weren't properly secured. So, uh, you know, there have been attempts to pass laws to require people to lock up their firearms. Enforcement of such laws would be uh, uh, extremely difficult. And I think that when people are better educated about the risks, not only to their own family, but the community at large, if they have a, a family member that's uh, struggling, that they will take the steps to properly secure those firearms to uh, uh, protect their family and, and others.
it's 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 a, it's a difficult question and you know our, our attempts have been to better educate the public and to provide resources like free trigger locks and gun safe rebates You're right. Every time this happens, there's a call for action, depending on somebody's political ideology. I hope you sense what I tried to focus on is that there are resources out there for people to to utilize crisis line, warm line, safe UT, MCOTs. And so I'm hoping the story can be practical from the perspective of, hey, here in Utah, we've taken a lot of steps to make these resources um, accessible to, to people in need. There's just We just need greater awareness of those resources. Because there's no easy answers to these, these issues. You can get the latest on the investigation of the Buffalo shooting and its impact on KSL TV and KSL News Radio. That does it for us this week on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. We'll see you again next week.